Welcome to Confessing the Faith, a theological and devotional walk through the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. I'm your host, Sam Walder, and pastor of Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky, and president of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. In this talk, we return to chapter 8 of the 1689, which is entitled Of Christ the Mediator and its teaching on the work of Christ. In this podcast, we will consider the nature of the atonement which Christ made for sinners, and in this podcast, uh, we will build then on the necessity of the atonement which we saw last time. Speaking of the nature of the atonement, paragraph 5 says, The Lord Jesus, by the perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, which he through the eternal spirit once offered up unto God, hath fully satisfied the justice of God. The first word the confession uses to describe the nature of the atonement is obedience. Obedience is really the comprehensive category under which the atonement must be understood. If this surprises you, you should remember how often the scripture itself speaks of the work of Christ as obedience. In the great Old Testament passage predicting his work, he is presented as a servant. And what does a servant do? He renders obedience. This is the whole uh, orbit of Isaiah 53, my servant shall deal prosperously. How often does the New Testament speak of this? Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Romans 5, 18 and 19, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. John's gospel says that Christ came to do God's will. This is his work, and this work is, of course, obedience. Of the many texts where John speaks of this, John 6:38 to 40 is important. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Remember Philippians 2, 7-9, taking the form of a bondservant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him. Hebrews 5, 8-9, although he is a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. And then Hebrews 10, 9 and 10. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Two perspectives on this obedience must be pointed out. We must view Christ's obedience as active and passive. In fact, this distinction is clearly found in the Confession of chapter 11, paragraph 1. We're speaking of justification. It says that this is by imputing Christ's active obedience unto the whole law and passive obedience in his death for the whole and soul righteousness. Christ's obedience is called one act of righteousness, Romans 5.18. This speaks of his active obedience, but it is inseparable from his passive obedience. Philippians 2.8 speaks of this. Being found in appearance as a man, 
He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The description of Christ's atoning work as obedience is a powerful argument for the necessity of double imputation and the active obedience of Christ in a day in which both are widely denied or misunderstood. Who that says that justification is merely or only forgiveness would ever describe Christ's work as obedience and as that obedience the most comprehensive category in which it should be described.